It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but MIDI Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Radical. Fundamental principles of freedom, rational self-interest, and individual rights. This is the Yaron Brook Show. All right, everybody, welcome to Yaron Brook Show on this uh, Sunday afternoon. Uh, hopefully, everybody's having a good, great, fantastic weekend. All right. Today we're, we're, we're talking about a non-political topic. <laughs> I wonder what impact that'll have on a um, number of people come. Uh, what I should be talking about, what I should be talking about is, uh, is Hunter Biden. If I put Hunter Biden in the title, we'd be going through the roof right now. Maybe, maybe tomorrow I'll talk about Hunter Biden and uh, the corruption of the political class. There you go. That would be a good title. Hunter Biden and the corruption of the political class. Uh, the political class, and we can talk about corruption in politics. Uh, all right, uh, we are we are going to be talking um, ethics today, part of our series on applying the objectivist ethics. Uh, this is part three. Uh, not sure how many parts this is going to take. We will see, but at least uh, at least seven, eight, something like that. Uh, this is all uh, due to. Uh, Troy's uh, contribution to the effort. Uh, he, he is sponsoring this entire series. Unfortunately, I haven't seen him live in a long time, so he's, uh, he's not listening to these live, but I am getting emails from him um, after, after the fact. So he is listening, he is listening to them. Uh, so thank you, Troy, for making these, uh, these possible. Uh, we are getting uh, closer and closer to election, but we talked about the election yesterday, so we're not going to talk about it today. Uh, I, I just came up with a topic for, uh, for, tomorrow's, uh, for tomorrow's show that'll guarantee uh, large viewership, so we will do that. Uh, let's see, any housekeeping we have to do? Any housekeeping? Well, you know, you know the story with uh, Super Chat. You, you jump in with the Super Chat and uh, ask questions. Happy to answer any questions you might have on this topic or on any other topic, although my preference is 
for you to ask topics about the virtue of independence. Um, just a general, a general comment on uh, these issues related to the objectivist ethics, the objectivist morality. The best source for really studying this, for really getting deep on this, and and uh, and getting, uh, uh, you know, getting. Uh, a greater in-depth understanding of any of these topics that I'm talking about with regard to ethics is uh, Leonard Peikoff's Objectivism, the Philosophy of Ayn Rand, Objectivism, the Philosophy of Ayn Rand. I would also look at, at, at Leonard's courses, many of his courses. Uh, he covers uh, moral virtues, so I encourage you to do that. Tara Smith also has a book called The Virtuous, uh, the Virtuous Egoist, and, and she has her books um, on, uh, she has a book on the virtues, so Tara Smith is another source to go deeper on the virtues and to go deeper. But generally, I think the best source, kind of the, the go-to source on anything to do with the objectivist philosophy uh, is Leonard Peikoff's Objectivism and the Philosophy of Ayn Rand, OPA for short. Uh, and he has a uh, subchapter on each one of the virtues and, and really th- that is the definitive source. Of course, The Virtue of Selfishness by Ayn Rand is where she lays out that the principles and and uh, Galt's speech is is you get some of this content already in Galt's speech and of course all of these issues are covered through story through the behavior of characters and we'll talk about that today in both the Fountainhead and Atlas Shrugged. So those of you who haven't read the Fountainhead and Atlas Shrugged, please for your own sake go read the books. If anything, I'm jealous. You get to read them for the first time. Uh, you know, that, that I will never be able to experience again. So, uh, so I encourage you all to do that. All right. So, uh, you know, what independence, be independent. We talked a little bit about this yesterday. I was actually going to do productiveness today, but then I decided, you know, we've talked a lot about productiveness in past episodes. And yesterday we brought up the issue of being thinking for yourself. Think for your. Self. We talked about that in the context of the election, and the election is a great example of the need to think uh, for yourself. But this is a much broader issue than make a decision about an election. But the essence of the virtue of independence is think for yourself. Or maybe put a little differently, take responsibility for your own thinking. Which, if you want to take broader than that, take responsibility for your own life. Now we hear a lot of people in our culture talking about personal responsibility. Being personally responsible. And, you know... conservatives talk about this a lot and they typically think about things like, um, you know, uh, uh, you should suffer the consequence of your actions. You should work hard uh, for your own, you know, livelihood. Don't expect others to feed you and, and things like that. And, and there's a lot of good in the personal responsibility, uh, you know, discussions that are out there about being responsible for your own life. But Ayn Rand is a much deeper thinker. For her, taking responsibility for your own life means thinking for yourself. And of course, if thinking 
we talked about this last time, if thinking is, in a sense, the cardinal virtue, it's the essential virtue, it's the integrating virtue, it is the essential activity necessary for human life, because it makes all other activities possible. You know, we talked about this. You, you can't produce without thinking. You can't hunt without figuring stuff out. Now, it is possible to imitate others. You can, at a certain level in life, survive through imitation. You can survive in an advanced welfare state as a parasite. You can survive through the effort, work, thinking of others. But then, my friends, you are not surviving as a human being. Then you're not being fully human. To survive as a human being and to, in a sense, get the rewards of that survival, which are ultimately the achievement of your values and being happy, requires you to do the thinking for yourself. Requires... Now we'll get to we'll get to you know but, but I can't I can't do all the thinking I, you know I have to rely on others yes but we'll, we'll 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 get to what that means what independence actually means right but to live to live with a capital L to live as a human being to benefit to to pursue values to benefit from those values to achieve happiness requires living based on your thinking living based on your rational, you know, rationality is the virtue. And, and I was going to say, all these virtues that we're going to talk about, all aspects of rationality, right? So uh, rationality is to, to think in a particular way, right, for a particular purpose. Independence means you have to do it yourself. It's implied in thinking. I mean, who's going to do thinking? I, nobody can eat for me. Nobody can live for me. Nobody can value for me. It's implicit. It seems pretty straightforward that nobody can think for me. I must think for myself. And the goal of that thinking is, the, is, is, is ultimately the achievement of my values above all of them is my life. And ultimately, my happiness. Right? So, being independent is thinking for yourself. Being independent is being responsible, taking personal responsibility for your thinking and therefore for your life and therefore for your values and for the attainment of those values. Now, people say right, it's really impossible to be independent, right? Don't we depend on others for knowledge, right? I mean, I'm not going to invent the automobile. Somebody invented it. Somebody did the thinking, right? No man is an island. We don't live at a desert island. And indeed, some people who misunderstand the concept of independence think that objectivists should live in a desert island or objectivists should invent everything that they use. Or we should all start from scratch and of course, that goes nowhere in people who, people who uh, adopt this idea of independence one way or the other. 
drop out of objectivism. Or we should not have uh, we should not have friendships. We, we 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 should be self-contained in some way. I mean, we should be self-contained, but not in the sense of not dealing with other people. So all of those are kind of ridiculous statements. You do not have to invent automobile in order to be independent. I mean, you have to know how to use it. And you have to be able to be independent enough to have created the values necessary to be able to afford and to purchase the automobile to trade value for value. Partially being independent is the appreciation of the fact that other people create values that are values for you and it is your responsibility in order to live, in order to thrive, in order to be successful, in order to prosper, to create values yourself so you can trade with them, so that you can benefit from the values they have created. That does not require you understand how a computer works to buy a computer. You understand how an automobile works in order to buy an automobile. Thinking for yourself doesn't mean thinking about everything. Some things I don't think about. I don't think about how an automobile works. I mean, if I do, then I'll get a book. I'll, I'll, I'll gain an understanding to the extent that I need it, but only to the extent that I need it, that my life acquires it, that that knowledge is a value to me. So being a being of reason, thinking, and thinking for oneself does not mean one needs to know Everything, to think about everything, to conceive of everything. All right, our first super chat question. Whoops, something went wrong there, sorry. Let me just copy-paste it. Think about, think about, um, you know, probably the best literary example of independence versus dependence. Anybody can think, anybody think about, in Ayn Rand's writing, what is the, the, the pair of characters that best represent the issue of dependence and independence? I'll give you a second to think about it, all right? We can, and, and think about, Think about what it is in Ayn Rand's literature in, in, in her novels, but, and then think about cases of, in real life. Who, who do you know, or who, who is a public figure out there, that you can, that you can identify who is independent versus dependent? Right? But in Ayn Rand's literature, the obvious example is, let's see, Rourke and Meeting. I assume you mean Keating. Yeah. Howard Rourke versus... Versus Keating, right? Peter Keating, Howard Rourke. Howard Rourke is a man of independence. Thank you, Guy. Howard Rourke builds based on his own standards. He thinks. He creates. He designs his own career. He pursues a particular career based on his own 
chosen values. He does not seek other people's permission. He does not seek other people's approval other than in what sense? Other than as traitors. Now, that does not mean that Howard Walk knows everything. He, th- he seeks another architect, Cameron, who he admires, he respects, who he knows he can learn from and learns from him and trades with him through being employed by him. He seeks knowledge. He goes to university, doesn't get much knowledge there, and he ultimately leaves or is kicked out or drops out. But he seeks knowledge. He reads books, I assume. He observes other architecture. He tries to learn everything he can about the field that he wants to focus on, that he wants to specialize. He applies his mind. And then he trades with those who have something to offer him. So that's one sense in which he interacts with other people. The other sense is, while he doesn't seek others' approval, he seeks clients. He seeks people who will trade with him. Not trade with him blindly, but trade with him because they value him. They value his mind. They value what he will create. They value the value that he represents. So even though Rourke, in some sense, financially depends on his clients, he's not dependent on them. He trades with them as a complete independent thinker. And when they don't recognize the value he represents, when then when their satisfaction would require him to compromise on his own values. What does he do? Well, he basically walks away. He walks away. He refuses to compromise. Why? Because he's an independent thinker. He values his own mind. He values his life. And he will not compromise on his mind, on his values. So he walks away. He walks away because what he would create if he listened to the client would be an essential compromise to his own life, to his own values, to his own thinking. It would compromise his thinking. It would undermine his independence. And the whole idea of, of independence as a virtue is you take full responsibility for the thinking, the consequences, the outcomes of your thinking, and you won't tolerate. If you take this seriously, you don't tolerate sloppiness, compromise, and just bad products, bad outcomes. It's you. It represents you. It's your life. It's who you are. Now, you know, this also fits in with integrity, right? He's a man of his words. He, he, he wants to make sure the product of his mind is consistent with his values, with his ideas. I mean, all of Ayn Rand's virtues, all of the objectivist virtues, integrate. They all connect. 
They were all, in a sense, one whole. There's a, there's a section we'll get to at the end when we've talked about all the virtues, which is called unity of the virtues. All the virtues are united under one. I mean, in a sense, that one is rationality. So Stefan asks a, a, a fountainhead question. Let's just take this quickly and then we'll get to Keaton. Keating, would you say that Dominique, before she met Rourke, was destroying evil for the sake of destruction? No, because she wasn't destroying evil. She was actually destroying the good. And she wasn't destroying the good for the sake of destroying it. She was destroying the good out of a sense of, if you will, justice. She was horrified by the idea that bad people would be exposed, would, would get any pleasure or joy or any satisfaction from the good. She wanted to destroy Rourke because she was convinced he would be destroyed and she didn't want to give the, the, the twoies of the world that a satisfaction of doing it. She didn't want to give Tui the power that would come from destroying Rourke. So she was going to destroy him, not in the name of destruction, not in the name of evil, but in the name of Rourke's virtues, in the name of Rourke's independence, in the name of Rourke's greatness. And, and that's, <laughs> that's a complicated character. <laughs> that is a very, very complicated character. But think about the passion that's involved in loving your values so much that the very thought that somebody bad, an evil human being, would get, be exposed to them. You know, upsets you greatly. So that you want to make sure that they never see that they never get exposed to them. And it takes a while, the entire book almost, to see that she is wrong. Wrong in the sense that she's too focused on the negative. Too focused on the negative. And not focused on the values and on the good people who have the good values and on the ability of good people to win. So what Rock teaches her is to focus on the positive, to focus on the values themselves and not on evil. He teaches her that evil in the end is impotent. That is the good that is powerful. That the good that prevails. That is the good that she should focus on, she should help, she should promote, she should help sustain, and that that is what her life... It's true that some things change as we get older, but if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause, and MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. 
many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at MIDI Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's what will give meaning to her life. So, um, Dominique is a very complicated character. Very complicated character. Uh, Stefan says, when I first started reading The Founded, I thought that Rand was going to make Dominique the antagonist. I love how that changed. It is brilliant. Yes. I mean, Dominique is so bewildering, but as soon as, as, soon as you see how to work, fall in love with it, kind of, it, 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 it's, I mean, it, it's hard for me to go back to when I first read The Founded, so I don't remember what I thought exactly. I was so overwhelmed. I remember where I read it, but I don't remember exactly what I, what, what I was thinking. But yes, I mean, it's, it truly is. I mean, Dominique is one of these colorful, brilliant, interesting, uh, evocative, and co- changing characters that Ayn Rand has. Uh, uh, and, and a woman in 1945, think about, think about again, independence. Here's a, here's a, a Dominique in, 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 uh, or Ayn Rand portraying Dominique in 1945. Think of her, how sexually liberated she is. Uh, and uh, think about the way Ayn Rand portrays the whole relationship. And this is 1945. When, you know, movies, movies in Hollywood, if they portrayed a married couple, their bedroom would have two beds in it because God forbid you imagine that a married couple might have sex. So they had to have separate beds. Go back and look at all the movies in the 40s and 50s where married people live in, I mean, so that's just one way in which Ayn Rand... But think about the whole novel. Think about the construction of that novel, the characters in the novel. There is no other Tuhi in world literature. There is no other Dominique in world literature. And there's certainly no how to work in world literature. I mean, you want to think about somebody who is independent. Think Ayn Rand. In terms of the, the, the character she, she, she created. I mean, Christian... Admits a crush on Dominique. Christian's way ahead of me because I Dominique was too bewildering for me. I was young when I read The Fountainhead. Way too bewildering for me to really have a crush on her. I had a crush on Dominique and uh, Dagny, uh, but she was way you know uh, uh, you know way above my pay grade. But uh, but not on Dominique because I couldn't understand Dominique. I couldn't get Dominique. It, it was it was certainly certainly first time. Really really too hard for me. So think about work right. Independence, that's what he is. He lives by his own means, even if that means going to a quarry, not to compromise his values. 
not to compromise his values. Because he must live by his own standards, his own values, his own judgment. Independence is related to the fact that you must judge. That judgment is your responsibility, and that's its connection to which virtue is the judging virtue, is the virtue of our judgment. Justice. Justice is all about judging. And you must be an independent judger. <laughs> They're all, again, connected. Right? Um, so Peter Keating, on the other hand, Peter Keating is dependent for everything. Now notice, Peter Keating succeeds economically in the novel. But he succeeds in the novel by leeching not by creating, not by innovating, not by thinking for himself, but copying from others, even how it works. By appeasing people, by appeasing people. He is constantly looking at other people and trying to assess what they want, what he should give them. By the way, there's an economic point here, right? That great entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs that really change the world are not entrepreneurs who go out there and figure out what does the market want? What does the market know it wants? What does the market think it wants? Great entrepreneurs don't do customer surveys and and, uh, focus groups and things like that to figure out what people want. Great entrepreneurs figure out what people should want, what people will want. And then provide it to them. They create the value. And then we realize, yeah, that's a value. <laughs> we don't know the value exists until they create it. And that's, that is a point in economics which almost nobody gets. It's that all innovation, all innovation is not something the market wants. Until the innovation happens in the market, people in the market discover, oh yeah, I do want that. That's what I wanted. I knew I wanted something. That's it. And that's, that kind of uh, economic thinking nobody really has. I mean, even many of the Austrians will say the job of the entrepreneur is to satisfy the market or consumers are kings. It's consumers that are satisfied and it's the, the entrepreneur satisfies consumer wants. No, the entrepreneur creates consumer wants. He creates consumer wants. The great innovators, the the, the Steve Jobs, didn't didn't ask people what kind of phone they wanted, what kind of device they wanted. He created what he thought they should want based on his independent vision. Now, he didn't do it alone, obviously. He had employees. He traded with them. They had ideas that overran maybe his ideas. They showed him something maybe was better, and he changed. He adapted to make the best kind of product possible. Uh, will the show have spoilers for the Fountainhead? Um, well, it already has had. Uh, 
some, um, but nothing, I don't think anything too dramatic, right? I don't think anything too dramatic. I'll, I'll try not to, I'll, tr- I, I'll, I'll try to keep that in a, you know, I'll try not to commit any kind of um, spoilers that might really spoil it for you, but I don't think I've said anything yet that would spoil it for you, um, and, and I'll, I'll be aware of that. <laughs> All right, so Keating is really the independent. I'm sorry, the dependent. Jesus, I'm distracted. Keating is dependent, yet he is successful. But what's so beautiful about Ayn Rand, and here might be a spoiler, is that success for Ayn Rand is not about wealth. Success with Ayn Rand is not about the size of your house. Success for Ayn Rand is not about how many buildings you build. Success for Ayn Rand ultimately is about the values you attain and whether you can be happy. And I won't say whether Keating is happy at the end or not, but in but being dependent, I, mean, I will say this, you cannot be happy. The values you're pursuing are not your values. Attaining them does not give you the joy, the satisfaction, the self-esteem, and therefore the happiness that attaining your values gives you. You attain values and you go, yep, attain that, what's next? But there's no satisfaction because it's never yours. It was never your choice. Somebody else chose it for you, whether it was your client Whether it was your mother, in Peter Keating's case, whether it was somebody else, your boss. Uh, Bob is asking a question, but uh, I, I, I don't see the exchange. So I assume you're going to write the exchange in the next comment. I'll look at it in a minute. All right. So, being dependent, you can technically survive. But you know in your own mind. You know because it is your nature. That it is not your thinking that has led to your survival. These are not your values that you are seeking. These are not your values that you are attaining. And therefore, you can never be truly happy. You can never be properly. Well, you can never attain happiness. Again, the values, I mean, think about independence in terms of values, because this is, this is I mean, what is thinking for? Thinking for is for choosing and attaining values. So that you can survive. Thrive. But if the values are not yours, then the values mean nothing to you. So the focus of an independent person, the focus of an independent thinker, is to identify, to choose, and to pursue your values, the things that you have identified, you have recognized are your values. 
that are important to you. The universal values, the ethical values that we're talking about. And then the particulars, including the material values that you need. But if, for example, if you value a Ferrari because other people suggest to you that it is a symbol of prestige, it is a symbol of success. So you want a Ferrari because other people have told you that it would be cool if you had a Ferrari. Or you know that other people look at you, whoa, look how successful he is because he has a Ferrari. When you get the Ferrari, it will not mean anything to you. You didn't really ever want a Ferrari as a symbol for you of success or the fun of driving a Ferrari. I mean, I would like a Ferrari just to be able to drive one. And I, I don't need one on a regular basis. I just want to, I just want a Ferrari for a few hours on a on a windy track somewhere with the roads closed down, so I can drive it like a maniac and and enjoy the thrill of of what a car like that can perform. And I know I won't drive it very well. I know I'm not going to drive it to its fullest potential. But just the enjoyment of that that to me is the value of a Ferrari. It's not what other people think. But if it is what other people think, then I'm not ever going to really enjoy the drive. I'm not ever really going to enjoy It's going to be a hassle getting in of the car. I used to have a friend. Actually, I mentioned this. Terry Goodkind, who passed away not so long ago, used to have a couple of Ferraris and, and it took me around for a spin. And he loved his cars. And it was a real passion for him. And he didn't care whether people knew he had a Ferrari or not. It, the passion was the beauty of the car the aesthetic of the car, and the joy of riding the car. Dri- I mean, driving the car. And the challenge that driving the car represented for him. And, and, and that's a real value. Now, to me, a Ferrari is not that big of a value. Now, I do want to do it. I probably, if I ever do it, I would probably do it in a, uh, what I really would like to do, and I'll do it one day, is, is get like a BMW M, M5 and, and do it, or, or some, some car like that. A Ferrari is too difficult for me to drive. It's too difficult for me to get in, get in and out of with my back. Um, but a, but a, like a, a, a high-powered, a really high-powered sedan um, would, be, would be so much fun. Like a BMW or a Porsche. A Porsche or a BMW. I've, I've driven a BMW, like a $160,000 Porsche, not a BMW. And it's, it's a blast. But, you know, <laughs> just to give you a sense of why I, I wouldn't really own a car like that, is <laughs> I quickly realized that, uh, you know, first time I got in the Porsche, it was like, there's no cup holders in the Porsche. This is a $160,000 car, and it had no cup holders. And it's like, I don't want, I don't want to drive that. All right. Um, uh, Robert, I will, I'll get to that. So I'll, I'll try to answer your question uh, in a little bit, even though it's not a super chat question. So, you know, it's not, it's not kosher, but because you are who you are, I'll do it. Um, let's see. Uh, somebody said Austin Martin. Yeah. I mean, if I had to buy a car, one of those supercars, if I had a, a quarter of a million dollars to buy a car, the car I would buy is an Austin Martin. It's just, it's just so... So, such a gorgeous car. It's so beautiful. So there would be the aesthetic. It would be the beauty of it. And then, from my understanding, it's a fun car to drive. 
I once, uh, okay, so here's a story. I don't know why we're, why we're telling stories about cars. But anyway, I, 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 uh, I used to know the, the um, CEO of Playboy magazine. Um, it was actually a, a donor to the Ayn Rand Institute, a, a supporter of the Ayn Rand Institute, still is. He's not the CEO of the Playboy anymore. And um, I used to go up and visit him at, at, the, at, the, at his office at Playboy magazine. That was always fun because, uh, because the, the, you know, the pictures on the wall to decorate the offices were quite, I'm not sure how they could do that today, but in those days were quite attractive. Anyway, the guy had two cars. He had a Ferrari and he had an Austin Martin. And one day, I told him that of the two, my strong favorite, I'd favor the Austin Martin over the Ferrari. And his, it, what he said was that that was that that was my feminine side talking. That Aston Martin was a feminine car and a Ferrari was a masculine car. So anyway, so now you know I have this feminine side to me, I guess, that is attracted to Aston Martins, and uh, that's the car that I would love to have if if I had that. Choice. All right, back to independence. But those are my values. I didn't do it because because he told me. I didn't choose that. I, ha- I have certain reasons about why I like the aesthetic of that car. I have certain reasons about why I'd love to drive a fast car. I, I like driving fast. I'm a, I, 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 I probably drive way too fast than I should in the crummy cars that I do frequently drive. I just realized that I, when I was in Connecticut this, this Thursday, Friday, that I had a Chrysler 300, which is a fairly fast car. But it's loose. It's got this American steering. It doesn't have the kind of the BMW European steering. And I, I realized that I was driving way faster than I should and zigzagging in and out of traffic in ways that I shouldn't be doing. But I am impatient and I, I like it. I get the thrill, a thrill of it. So I, I slow down because ultimately life is a greater value. But it has to be your value. You have to be able to understand how it contributes to your happiness, how it contributes to your life, how it contributes to other values. You have to be able to integrate them. Right. So uh, Michael says a Ferrari is much more visceral car, less daily drivable. Yes, I think that's absolutely right. I would never want a car like that for daily drives. But in Puerto Rico, none of these cars are relevant because in Puerto Rico, even though a lot of people, quite a few people have them, because Puerto Rico, the, the roads are so bad, the potholes are so big that a car like that would fall in one of those potholes and it would never be seen again. Uh, it's, it's, it, it is ridiculous. All right. Um, think, about, think about all the decisions you make in life. Think about choosing a romantic partner. How do you do that? Right. Is it based on your mother's standards? Is it based on who your parents want for you to marry? I mean, that's certainly the way it was 250 years ago. And it's, it's interesting to me that, 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 that the whole idea of romantic love, the idea of the individual choosing his partner for life, the individual choosing who to marry, choosing who to have a relationship with, is a very modern concept. And it comes out of the Enlightenment because it comes out of the same thinking that led to the scientific revolution. It is the idea of the efficacy of reason and the idea that we could use reason to understand the world and the idea that everybody had reason, that we all had reason. It is that idea that led people to say, well, wait a minute. 
If I can understand Newton's mechanics, if I can understand the world, if I have this tool, a mind, that is actually efficacious, then why can't I make choices like who I marry, who I have relationships with? And it is that, the emphasis of the Enlightenment, the age of reason, on the mind. And the mind as a characteristic of the individual and necessary to the individual's survival. That idea is what led to all these revolutions. It ultimately led to the independence of human beings, the, 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 the ability of human beings to choose their own values and pursue their own values, whether it is in love, whether it is in career, whether it is in business, whether it is in politics. I mean, up until the Enlightenment, up until the Enlightenment, up until 1776, you didn't get to choose your political leaders. So it is, I mean, it's so amazing how history and objectivism line up in a sense. It is only, and, and Ayn Rand would have predicted this, of course, she knew this already and she learned from it. That's how, she, I mean, she came up with a philosophy based on the facts of reality. And what she understood was, it's only when you understand the importance of reason. It's only when you understand that reason is a means of survival, a basic means of survival, that every individual has it, that it's every individual's basic means of survival. It's only when you understand that that then you can extrapolate political freedom. Only then can you extrapolate, well, yeah, people should make choices for themselves because they have the tool to make the choices with. It's not automatic. It's not automatic, but... It's um, one second. I'm just copying one of these questions again. You have to engage it. Reason just doesn't just happen. But it is our means of survival. It is what makes all other choices possible, right? All right. Um, so think about choosing a partner. Think about who you should marry. Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. 
No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You have to figure out what characteristics you want in a woman, if you're a man, that you want to marry. Now, that doesn't mean it's subjective. Those characteristics have to be connected to other values that you have and connected ultimately to your moral values and connected ultimately to your goals and purpose in life. They can't be detached. You can't say, I believe in reason, but I want a woman who just feels, who, who doesn't think too much. I mean, that would negate the idea that you believe in reason. Believe in reason. That you hold reason as your cardinal value. Yeah, I, I believe, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a strong believer in objectivist ethics and I'm an independent thinker, but I don't want my wife to think for herself. I mean, that would be a negation of your independence. You can't expect to be independent if you, the person you want to live with, what you're responding to in her is a dependency. Right. So, Picking a romantic partner is an example of has to be if it's going to be successful, <laughs> if you're going to, if it's going to lead to happiness and not quick divorce. Requires thinking for yourself. You're not going to use your mother's standards. You're not going to use society standards. You're not going to use others. You have to use your own standards. All right, Robert, I will answer the question, but uh, after I do this stuff about independence, so I'll, I'll do that. I'll answer the question in the Q&A, probably in 15, 20 minutes or so. Right? Think about choosing a political candidate. Right? We talked about this. You have to choose. Don't listen to me. I mean, listen to me. Try to understand what I'm saying. If you respect my mind, my views, my opinions. Try to understand the reasonings I give. But in the end, does whatever make does what I say make sense? Does this fit into the context of your knowledge? If if this is an important decision for you and you do the research and you do all the thinking and you do everything, do you come to the same conclusion as I do? And if you don't, don't. Wow, there's some people interpreting uh, uh, interpreting this in a bizarre way, right? Yohan is explaining why homosexuality is against subjectivism. Homosexuality is not against subjectivism. There's nothing about homosexuality that cannot fit all your values. Particularly if you are homosexual. If you're not, then there's a clash. Don't be a homosexual just because it's cool to be a homosexual. Be a homosexual because that's what you identify yourself as being. That's what you have identified your nature to be. And then objectivism is consistent with that. And I encourage you to listen to Leonard Peikoff, what he has said in his podcast about homosexuality. So no, the idea that independence excludes homosexuality is contradictory to reality. One of the things Ayn Rand emphasized, and and this is part of this independence, so I was just saying about politics, you have to make your choice. 
You have to decide who you agree with. I, I mean, you shouldn't listen to Leonard Peikoff as an authority, but you should take the fact that he has a particular opinion about politics. Seriously, he's a smart guy. He's brilliant, not just smart. What existent university, which I will not repeat, just said, is some of the funniest, stupidest thing I've ever read on this, uh, on this, uh, on this, uh, somebody's going to have to go back and check it out. But wow. All right. Um, (laughs) Where were we? You know, you should, when, when people you respect say something, you should take that seriously. And you should try to figure out why. You should try to figure out if you agree with them. But doesn't mean you should or you shouldn't. You have to figure it out. You, right or wrong, and you're going to be wrong often, and you're going to be right, hopefully, more often. But it's your responsibility to make choices about your life, to figure out what you value, what is right in your view based on the facts of reality. And again, we can't all be right. Reality is what it is. Some of us are wrong. Part of being independent is recognizes that, recognizing that. All right. Now we'll talk a lot about this stuff again when we talk about honesty. Because again, honesty and independence are very related. And we'll talk about that. So in making a decision One of the things one has to think about is to what extent am I independent? To what extent are these my values? To what extent have I come to these values rationally? To what extent am I letting other people influence me? Am I letting society influence me? Am I letting conventional wisdom influence me? Even if, am I letting people I admire influence me? And you have to be able to separate that out and figure out What do I think? What are the facts? And how do I evaluate them? And what are my values? And how am I going to live? And it's hard. It's hard to separate yourself out like that, given everything going on in the world. And we do rely on experts. But the more important a decision, the more important you need to know that the expert is right. So, you know, you, 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 have, uh, you, ca- you have a diagnosis of cancer. And uh, the expert, the doctor, is saying, this is the treatment I think you should get. And one approach to that is, yes, so, all right, I'll do that. But that would not be independent. Given something as serious as cancer or something like that, a second or third opinion makes sense. Research, today on, online, you can do amazing research into all the potential different treatments, aggregating all that information, choosing the doctor you like best and you think is the best expert on this, taking all that information to him, sitting down, discussing it, thinking it through. You might never fully understand everything that's going on. But it is your personal responsibility to figure out whether this is the right treatment or not based on whatever context you have, whatever knowledge you have. All right. Um, 
let's see. There's a great statement in, uh, uh, it's it, G-H. So, if we look at the definition of independence, right? Opal has a subtitle for this section, independence as a primary orientation to reality, not to other men. Independence means you're committed to reality, and this is, again, a sense in which it's very similar to honesty. Not to the opinions, values, views of other people. A full definition from Opa, one's acceptance of the responsibility of forming one's own judgment and of living by the work of one's own mind. So independence means not just thinking for yourself. It's living off of your own effort. So being on welfare is being dependent. And it's destructive to you, psychologically, values-wise. You know you are not living by your own mind. You know you're not taking responsibility for your own life. And that is destructive and makes it impossible to achieve, again, life, full life of a human being, happiness. A thief, a crook is dependent. He's dependent on the production and the productive ability of those he steals from. And he knows it. That's why cooks are miserable. Counter to what you see in the movies, cooks are pathetic human beings. Miserable human beings. Uh, Varun asks, is... It is process independence. Once you can do it in one area of your life, you can confidence to apply in other areas. There's a sense in which that is right. There's a sense in which we're constantly building that confidence that we can do this. But you've, you don't want to be in a position where you say, okay, I'm going to be on welfare while I build up my confidence to be independent. No, you, you want to try it out in every aspect of your life. You want to definitely try it out in... You don't want to uh, get married with somebody your mother chooses for you while you're working on independence in your career and then you'll get to independence and romantic love later. But there's a sense in which it's constantly reinforcing the value of being independent. The value of it is constantly reinforcing itself. Time Warp says, crooks have no self-respect. Yes, they have no self-respect, no self-esteem. They know they live at the behest of those they steal from. They know they are useless. They're parasites. A thief is a parasite. A living a non-human life. Living not based on their reason, based on the reason of those they steal from. And even if they don't know that reason is man's basic means of survival, even if they don't know that explicitly, as a human being, that is a fact, and therefore... They are punished psychologically for it. So the recognition of reasons, man, basic means of survival is a recognition of human nature. It's a recognition of the way human beings have to be, are, not have to be, are, with relationship to their survival. And if you don't, if you ignore that, or if you don't know it, or if you live counter to it, you will suffer the consequences. That's what it means. This is what... The model is the practical, and the practical is the model. 
In Atlas Shrugged, Ayn Rand writes, it is the recognition of the fact that yours is the responsibility of judgment and nothing can help you escape it. That no substitute can do your thinking as no pinch hitter can live your life. That is the vilest form of self-abasement and self-destruction is the subordination of your mind to the mind of another. The acceptance of an authority over your brain. The acceptance of his assertions as facts, his say-so as truth, his edicts as middleman between your consciousness and existence. I mean, what a writer she was. It's your life. Why would you subordinate? What kind of being are you? Where's your self-esteem? Why would you have subordinate your thinking, your mind, your life to the mind, to the thinking, to the whatever of somebody else? Oops. Um... All right, let's see. Uh, as I said, independence is not isolation. Independence is recognizing the trader principle, creating value so you can trade with people who can produce, people who have expertise in areas though you don't. But you making sure that you choose. You choose again based on your knowledge. Um, Let me see if there's any other issues I want to cover. Yeah, I think I think so. So, to be rational means to think for yourself. To be independent means to think for yourself. You can see kind of the unity of, in a sense, it's an end all about thinking and acting based on your judgment, based on the facts of reality, based on reason. All right, that's uh, and, and and think about this in, in in business, right? We always want to tie this to business. As an employee, you should always do, you should always think for yourself, and you should work for a company that values you thinking for yourself. It's horrible to be in a company that doesn't want you to think. Just follow orders. Shut up. I wouldn't stay at a job like that. Neither should you. Look for something better. Teamwork. How does independence relate to teamwork? Well, great teams are comprised of members who are all independent thinkers. The people in the team who are mooching off of the other people's thinking are not valuable. They don't add anything. That they, they detract from the quality of the teamwork. Nothing wrong with teamwork. But teamwork is only good teamwork when you've got a bunch of independent thinkers pushing each other, challenging each other, encouraging each other, stimulating each other to think better for themselves. The fact that you have a team doesn't create a collective consciousness, doesn't create a collective mind, doesn't create some other form of, quote, thinking. It's still you alone thinking. Other people prodding you, other people challenging you, but that's good. That enhances. So teamwork and independence don't conflict. When the team 
is comprised of people who think for themselves, who push the envelope, who expand. And again, a great team is one comprised of people who have different contexts, different expertise, are going to come at a problem a little differently, have different facts at their disposal, and then can share that and help everybody get to a better conclusion because the, the context is broader. But the team is just a collection of individuals. The individual is the primary. And it's your responsibility as a team member to be an individual. That's why you're there. You're not there to be a clone of the other team members. You're there to be you and therefore to challenge the team members. Thank you, Christian. It's great to see people, uh, you guys, uh, valuing this, this content. So uh, teamwork is not, does not contradict you know, again, think of the great businessmen. The great businessmen are independent. They're thinkers. Right. All right. <laughs> Interesting question. Okay. So, uh, and as a boss, this is important, as a boss, as somebody who manages people, what you want to do is encourage them to think for themselves. The last thing you want to do is give orders, give commandments. What you want is encourage independent thinking. Encourage people who think out of the box. Encourage them to say what they really think. Don't shut them down because you don't happen to agree with. So... You know, keep, um, oops, as a boss, think about how you can create a work environment, which encourages people to think within the framework of this is their job, right? Their job is a particular job. It's not they can think about anything. But how within the confines of their job, without the confines of the particular thing that they have to build, create, make, how can you encourage them to think independently? How can you encourage them to be innovative? How can you encourage them to feed up, to, 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 to take that job to the next level, to make something more of it? That is good for their personal development and it is good for the company because you'll get a bunch of independent thinkers going and pushing the envelope and creating more value for the company itself. He says, what about the wisdom of crowds? Crowds don't have wisdom. And the wisdom of crowds, when it's talked about, is not the crowd. The sense in which wisdom of crowds has is the sense in which the marginal person in the crowd might have wisdom. So, for example, an investing crowd. It's not the crowd that has the wisdom. It's the marginal investor that has the wisdom. And that's a whole other topic for another day. But there is no such thing as the wisdom of crowds. There's only... Wisdom can only be held by individuals. And indeed, beware. Beware of so-called wisdom of crowds. All right, let's have a look. Let's see which one of these are... Um, uh, 
Could you comment on the failed independence of young people who questioning the views and values of their parent generation adopt uncritically the views and values of their peers or of college professors? Yeah, I mean, that's, Ayn Rand talks about this. That's a, that's a pseudo-independence because what are you doing? You're still dependent, but your dependence manifests itself on, I'm just the opposite of that. I don't have my own ideas. I'm just the opposite of what you say. I'm the negation of what you say. I'm shifting my dependence from one group to another group. And in the Fountainhead, there are a number of characters that represent this flaw. So, so-called, uh, what do you call them? Um, uh, you know, uh, anti, people who are anti-convention, uh, you know, who, who flout convention for the sake of flouting convention. Well, they're second-handed. They're not dependent. They're completely dependent on the convention. Otherwise, they would have nothing to flout. So a lot of people who are, who, you know, I don't know, they, 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 they color their hair yellow and they dress crazy are not doing it because they have independently, thoughtfully come up with a conclusion that this is the best look for them. They almost always are rebelling against something about it, some convention, but by rebelling, they're not being independent. They're being anti-conformists. They're being, they're anti, but they're conforming. They're using somebody else's standards, somebody else's values to dictate what they should and shouldn't do. They just- okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are using it in reverse. So that is just as dependent on any other form of dependency. No, I mean, what you should do when you're a teenager, and this is the, the beauty of, I've talked about this, the beauty of hormones that make you question when you're a teenager, is to think for yourself, to figure out what you think is really true, to, to take what your teachers tell, say, to take what your parents say, and then try to figure out from all of that what you think is true. And, and not just to take what they say, but to study the facts, to evaluate the facts, to examine the facts, to introspect, to look at the world, to figure out what you think is true. Use your mind. Use your reason. And it's not some average of opinions, or it's not these opinions against those opinions. It's reality. Look at reality. Examine reality. Uh, all right, we'll get to that. Okay, so this is a question... 
I watched economics explained on YouTube about California. The richest zip codes are not in California and New York, but instead in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. How does one take advantage of corruption? How does one gain influence, wealth, and honest dependency? Let me say, let me move that. You know, I'm going to do the show tomorrow about political corruption. And let me, let me talk about that. Let me talk about that then, because it's related to this idea of political corruption. Yes, uh, Christian says, if you agree that one, one is one, then objectivism is viable to consider. You, the, the tremendous power of Rand is to develop precise logic into an entire philosophy, an entire philosophy built on inducing from reality, from the fact, from A is A, one is one, reality as it is. And then inducing from that and integrating across all your knowledge to make sure that it's all fits. And what these virtues do is they help you integrate your knowledge across all spheres. Would an older Howard Rourke be living in Gold Scouts? Definitely. If he was in the if he was in Alice Shrugged, he would definitely be one of the people invited to Gold Scouts, there's no question. And and I think he would go. Uh, let's see. In our journal, Rand described Frank Lloyd Wright as independent in his work and a second hand in his personal life. How can that kind of split arise? All kinds of splits can happen. I mean, so many people are independent in their work. I, I'd say the one area in which people tend to be independent is in their work. You see that in Silicon Valley. Think about all these geniuses in Silicon Valley who are independent in their work and are complete second-handed in their politics, in their personal life, in their moral life. You know, think about, about even a Steve Jobs who was so independent in his work and yet, I don't know, was, was, was in some ways a flake in his personal life. And, and, and this is so common. It's so prevalent. It, people manage to compartmentalize their world and they, they take conventional morality, conventional what people say is right, they take conventionality in most of their life and they devote all of their independent thinking, all of their focused energy, all of their creativity, all of the innovation they pour into their productive endeavors. And it's tragic that they don't take that same focus, that same innovation, that same creativity, that same independence of mind into every aspect of their life, right? into every aspect of their life. But they don't. Now, I'm not going to comment on Frank Lloyd Wright specifically because uh, I don't know exactly what Ayn Rand meant, but yeah, I see that all the time in people. Uh, let me see. I'm, so, uh, I'm uncertain that psychological visibility is a proper value. I sense an element of dependence as Brandon history demonstrates. I want visibility of my person, not of my psyche opinion. I, I think it is a value. I think psychological visibility is a value. I don't think it's dependence. You're not, you're not asking for confirmation. You're not asking for a v validation. You're asking for visibility in the sense that you want your values visible in artwork. You want your values and you, and you want your soul, in a sense. And, and whether it's psychological visibility, maybe it's psychological that you're referring to, but you want, 
your soul to be visible in the other person. You want that reflected back to you. There's great pleasure in that. It's not, not in order to validate yourself, just in the pleasure of observing it in another, in observing it outside of yourself. That's the pleasure. So you have to separate visibility from, from, from validation. Um, I love making out with multiple women. I don't know if at the same time or separately. Uh, for that reason, I'm not attracted to have a partner. You can be moral and be a perpetual bachelor. I mean, you can be a perpetual bachelor, but can you be perpetually involved in multiple relationships all at once and, and completely moral? I, I, I don't know. I doubt it. Because I think that what are you getting from these multiple relationships? What is, the, what is it that you enjoy about it? What is it that you love about it? Um, and aren't you giving up something of much greater value in order to have that? How do you know if you found a partner that really gave you the kind of visibility we talked about that you could really fully love? You would love making out with them much more than making out with multiple women. So uh, you have to question what it is you're looking for in these relationships. What is it that you are loving about this? Is it just a physical pleasure? But sex is more than just physical pleasure. And are you getting everything you could get out of sex? Are you getting everything you could get out of uh, having a relationship with another person, a deep, meaningful, long-term, sustained relationship with another person, right? Um, I mean, newness, newness can be a value, but how important is it relative to the kind of pleasure you can get, the kind of satisfaction you can get, the kind of love you can get from having a loving long-term relationship? So I think you're giving up too much for something short-term. And I don't know how old you are. I mean, if you're very young, then you're still learning about what you love. You're still learning about what a relationship looks like. You're still learning about... I mean, it's hard when you're young to decide this is it. Uh, but I think you're giving up too much by not at least trying and not to sustain a, a long-term relationship with somebody and looking for somebody you really love. How does it relate to resilience, ability to survive in major life events, business disasters, personal situations? You mean independence? Well, I, I think that it enhances your resilience because you have created in you the kind of person who can deal with the world, deal what the world throws at you because you rely on your mind. You're relying on your tune of survival. You've refined it. You've, you've, you've improved it. You've made it as good as, 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 as it possible. Yeah, 27, you're still young. But it's getting to the point, at some point here, where you, you should at least try what a long-term relationship would look like. That was, that was the question I got earlier. So it's, independence is definitely pro-resilience, if you will. Pro-emergency. Pro, but in an emergency, you might have to rely on other people. You just have to do it smart. You know, again, independence doesn't mean that there are circumstances which you don't rely on a surgeon or you don't rely if you've just been in a car accident. You say, no, 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 I haven't checked out this emergency room. 
Let me do some research and make sure this is the best emergency room. Context, 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 right? You've got you've to take into account the context of, of the decision you're making, of, of, of the urgency and, and how, what information is available to you and what you can do. So uh, the more independent you are, the more resilient you are, the more you trust your mind, the more capable you are in making decisions, the faster those decisions can be made. I mean, if you see, uh, yeah, so that's that question. I'll just go back to the sex question. If all you can see is, is women as sex objects, then you're missing a huge amount. Because women are much more than sex objects. And, uh, you know, beauty is just one aspect of the satisfaction, the, 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 the joy one can get from sex and from a relationship. So um, you've got to get, you've got to, you've got to try to, I mean, Iron Man talks about this idea of trying to get self-esteem from having lots of partners and it's not healthy. It's not healthy. Right. So I, I think there is a problem in viewing women as sex objects because you're missing out on their full potential and what they are. Now, there's a sense in which they are, right? And you are to them. But just as an object is, is very unhealthy. It's very unhealthy. All right. Um, James says, since my question is being saved, I have another. Which parts of the U.S., from your point of view, are best for an independent life and entrepreneurship? I mean, basically, look at there's an index of economic freedom that is state by state. And I think today, uh, as an entrepreneur, it depends on, on what kind of entrepreneurship you're doing and where, where in your career you are. But in the broadest sense, I'd say places like Florida, Texas, Tennessee. Uh, but if you're in tech, then, you know, it's hard not to see the massive value of being in Silicon Valley. The massive value from the network effect, from the from the knowledge that people have, from the context that you will get, from all of that. Right? So it really depends specifically on um, on what kind of business you're in. But but generally, the the, the states that are freest are states like Florida, Texas, um, from the perspective of private property from the perspective of taxes, from the perspective of regulation, Florida, Texas, Tennessee, you'd have to look at the, at the, at the index of economic freedom on a state-by-state state level. The, such a thing does exist. Look it up online. Do you think saber-like xenocentrism, as one might describe it, helps do what you're talking about on either a religious or secular level? It works for me. I don't know what that means. I don't know what... I don't, I don't know what xenocentrism is, and, and I, 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 I don't know, you know, I don't know what that would be applied to. I just don't understand the question. And if it's, um, I, I'm suspicious of xenocentrism, but I don't even know what it means. I don't know if I really should be suspicious of him, if it's just an emotional reaction. Okay, here's uh, Bob's question, uh, which is, I guess, controversial, but I'll, I'll read it out. 
Are there such people who constitute a fifth column within objectivism? Who are they? So this person says, if you look at folks who comment on Iran's podcast and his YBS Facebook page, you will find plenty of examples of folks who call themselves objectivists, note lower case O, and make rationalizations to forgive or even praise anything Trump does wrong. Yes, but when Iran says Trump apologists should not call themselves objectivists, presumably he's referring to those who refer themselves as capital O objectivists, not small O objectivists. So again, who are these people? Um, So I guess the question is, who are these people that I refer to? What is a lowercase objectivist and an uppercase objectivist? I'm not sure I know what those are. So let's, let's just be careful how we define this. There are people out there who claim to be objectivists. That is, claim to be, uh, who, to adhere, to have studied, to have learned, and to live by, and to be advocating for Ayn Rand's philosophy of objectivism. I guess that's capital O, objectivists. Who are, at the same time, uh, racist, some of them, xenophobic, some of them, unthinking followers of Trump, some of them, um, nationalists, some of them, don't believe in the complete separation of state from ideas, some of them. In other words, contradict at some level some basic fundamental principle of Ayn Rand's. Um, They could be people who, for example, believe that even if in, under laissez-faire capitalism, there should be no open immigration, open immigration with, you know, the caveats of protecting from criminals. And no, we should have like an ideological test to let people in. That's not objectivism. Um, You know, so people who undermine objectivism by... Uh, by being, they tend to be conservatives. They tend to reject the very fundamental ideas or some of the fundamental ideas um, of objectivism. And, um, And yet go around calling themselves the true objectivists. And, and, and making, you know, and, and, and referring to people like me as, uh, pseudo-objectivists. Right. Now, so, that, who are these people? I mean, there are plenty of them. I mean, they call themselves Ayn Rand's eagles right now, some of them. But there are others. I mean, it, it you know, so, so people who have fundamentally, have fundamentally have ideas that are antagonistic to Ayn Rand's philosophy, but who call themselves objectivists and claim to be the true objectivists. And I think, to the extent that anybody takes them seriously, a, a destructive force, destructive to objectivism. Okay. Now, how many people there are? I don't know. How big this group is? I don't know. And I'm not talking about people who are trying to understand, who still don't agree, who might think they're objectivists but are not sure, they're trying to figure it out, or who are not objectivists, who say, look, I'm not an objectivist. I agree with some things in objectivism, but I'm not an objectivist. I, you know, I think you're wrong on nationalism. I think you're wrong on immigration. I think you're wrong on this. That's not who I'm talking about. I'm talking about people who claim to be the objectivists. And yet are wrong in terms of 
a, a, a contradict objectivism in terms of some of its fundamentals. And one of those fundamentals is thinking for themselves. Like, um, you know. and, and one of those examples is Trump can do no wrong. I mean, that's, I mean, nobody can do no wrong. You know, people who justify Trump's, uh, you know, uh, groveling before the, the, the brutal dictator of North Korea, for example. Anyway, and on and on, you know, every single aspect or, or tariffs on, on Canada are justified. How does that justify it within the context of objectives? Even if you think Trump is a good president, overall, there's certain things you have to recognize that certain things he does that are wrong, that are non-objectivist and not consistent with objectivism. And that's the difference between two. There are people who vote for Trump, I know, you know, I think I think you shouldn't, but vote for Trump, but have reasons and recognize that Trump is bad in certain areas, but think that the good over, over is, is bigger than the bad. I have no problem with people like that. I mean, again, I think they're wrong, but I have no problem with, I, I, I don't call them names, right? My problem is with people who think Trump walks on water. And I know a lot of those people, even though they always deny it, they always say, no, 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 I don't think Trump is ideal candidate at all. I disagree with a lot of his things. Like what? And they have nothing to say. Well, how about this? How about that? How about No, they have an excuse, rationalization for every single thing. But no, 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 I don't think Trump's an ideal candidate. But they do. They think he walks on water. He, you know, they're the kind of people who, if you shot somebody in the middle of Fifth Avenue, they would still vote for him. Anyway, so that's who I was referring to. I hope, Bob, that that answers your question. Um, I can't. I don't see you commenting, but I hope that answers. James says, I mean venture capital and private equity. I mean, venture capital, real venture capital, technology venture capital, I think you're still, the best place is still Silicon Valley. You just can't compete. You're going to get the best deals. You're going to see the best companies. You're going to, you're going to be exposed to, 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 the, to the best stuff. Anywhere else is much harder because, because now you're not necessarily going to be exposed to the wide variety of what comes out of Silicon Valley. If you had to pick a place for venture capital, probably Austin, Texas. Probably Austin, Texas. You know, New York is a great place for venture capital. But again, New York has all the problems that Silicon Valley has. So cost of living and in terms of regulations and controls. In terms of private equity, there you have more choices. Private equity, you could live pretty much anywhere. It doesn't matter. Private equity, you could be in Florida, um, which is even more free from property rights perspective than Texas is. Or you could be in Tennessee that has no state capital uh, income tax or other places. So much more selectivity in terms of private equity. Venture capital, you need to be in a tech center. And, and Silicon Valley is the tech center. Uh, another, another possibility is, is, is uh, Austin, Texas, which is a tech center. And yet has the freedom to associate with Texas. All right, Andrew, thank you. Uh, really appreciate that. Um, that's the supports. Thank you, everybody who contributed today. Thank you, everybody who uh, listened today. Um, and uh, yeah, Robert says I don't think any of those are influential. I think you're right. I don't. I don't think there's a lot of. I don't think these these people basically come on my board. They they consume huge quantities of space on Facebook. But I don't think they have any influence. And I don't think it's a very big group, These what I call the fifth column within objectivism. I don't think it's, a, it's something to, to obsess about or to worry about. They are there, though. It's something to be aware of. And they do 
siphon off some people and they do turn people off of objectivism. I just, luckily, they're not enough of them and, and most of them are too stupid to have real impact on the world. Thanks, everybody. I will see you tomorrow. We'll talk about political corruption. Um, yeah, that's a good topic. I like that topic. And we'll, we'll talk about Hunter Biden. I can put Hunter Biden clickbait. I'll use clickbait into the title. I'll put Hunter Biden into the title and we'll have easily 200 people watching live tomorrow. Thanks, everybody. See you tomorrow. It'll be in the evening. So probably, probably 8 p.m. Eastern time tomorrow. Bye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.